temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Yeah, I think that people always point to the Yankees in 16, but I think there's plenty of like there's plenty of other you know examples of teams that you know had had a year where they they struggled. I think you look at the, what the Red Sox have done. Um, you know, they won the World Series in 13 and 14 and 15. They struggled. Um, they won the division in 16, 17. Won the World Series in 18. Um, struggled in 20. You know, I think they've picked in the top ten like three times, and they won a bunch of World Series in that time. So, I think you know, I just using them as an example of like there's, you know, sometimes there's a lot of stability. Like we we just we've, we've had that that period, and sometimes you know a te- you know a team has like a year they they go down and they go right back up. So, um, yeah, I think using the Yankees in, in sixteen, I think that's a that's a probably a fairly apt way to look at it. But I wouldn't put any kind of label name on it. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. You know, they've told you, they've told you exactly what the idea was, but just how short are we talking about? That is um, Jed Hoyer having told you that they want to go backwards very, very briefly, like the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Giants, perhaps, as opposed to the Phillies who fell off the table after the Rollins and Ryan Howard years, or the Tigers who fell off the table once Mike Illich um, passed away, and, and those teams got bad. But just how short a window are they talking about in terms of going backwards, and just how aggressive does that mean they'll be this offseason? It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. A full show, baby! A full show, and it'll be our last one for a while as football takes over those bastards. And I know that our next guest, Sahadev Sharma from The Athletic, Cubs beat writer, who joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He will be passionately active on the beat for the Cubs the rest of the way as long as Illinois is not playing football. Right, Sahadev? <laughs> and that's fair to say. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if Illinois football can distract me as much as uh, Illinois basketball, but okay. uh, I, especially after last night's loss, so so I may I may put Illinois football back on the back burner there. Uh, it was a short run. It was a short run, and really beating Nebraska is just not impressive for anybody. But that, of course, no. <laughs> is, is is not is not why you called. Look, I've enjoyed reading. He's on the team for next year, which. Um, <laughs> You know, we played the clip of Farmio. Who was he talking about? I always forget, Sean. It's the catcher, right? It's the catcher they brought over 
who was a big part of the 2011 final day when there was like all those games of consequence and uh, on the last night of the regular season. Damn it. I don't know. I, to, you know what? I can't remember who it was, but I know that the player was DFA soon after. <laughs> and honestly, it's, it, it's, it's that drop that inspired uh, that piece because I, I would be watching the Cubs and there, there's all, you know, these no name Cubs after the trade deadline. And, and I kept thinking that that drop would come into my head as someone He's got on a big the team for it. next year. There it is. Yeah, it would just yeah. pop right in. And I was like, I got to write about this. Yeah. So um, thank it, you for the inspiration. Oh, my God. Of course. Um, it's Dan. What was his name? Dan Johnson. I think it's Dan Johnson who was hit okay. with a big home run um, in game 162. Uh, for the Tampa Rays, I think that I think that's who it is. But you know, we'll, we'll we'll figure that out. But either way, all right. So so let's just do some basics. Obviously, Patrick Wisdom making the amount that he's going to make with the control that he's going to control and the flexibility he's shown defensively is on the team for next year. Is Rafael Ortega pretty much guaranteed a roster spot, if not a starting spot, in the outfield for next year? One would think a lefty bat who hits it that hard and has shown the ability to play center and left that he's probably on the team for next year, right? You know, I, here's how I look at it. I, I think Wisdom has done enough uh, and shown a skill set, a particular skill set as far as defensive value and the ability to crush pitches, you know, below the upper third of the zone uh, and, and a solid batting eye that, that, yeah, he should be around in some way. I don't think you can go into the winter and plan your winter around saying anybody is on the team for sure or has a specific role. Uh, I, I think it's it's really interesting what these guys are doing. Ortega's one of those guys. Uh, I just think you can't go into your offseason and plan anything around these guys. You can't make moves and say, well, this guy's – well, Ortega is there, so I can't sign so, so-and-so, right? Uh, right? It just can't be that way. That The Jed can't think that way. The front office won't be thinking that way. But I, I think uh, – what we're seeing right now, uh, some of it is small sample size, sure. I mean, Frank Schundel isn't going to hit like this over the course of 162. But uh, there's something to be said for the pro scouting, uh, for their ability to kind of unearth these guys. And, 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 of course, there's something to be said for the players, taking an opportunity and running with it and, and performing. So I, I think it's, it's good for – I mean, how long have we been talking about this? I know I've brought it up a lot. Uh, to you and, and others that the Cubs look at other organizations with envy that they can develop players at the major league level that nobody has heard of all of a sudden becoming regulars and sometimes much more than that. You know, you think of Max Muncy, you think of what the A's do, you think of some players like Gio Urshela and the Yankees. These are guys that are regulars for playoff caliber teams and the Cubs just really haven't developed those guys. I don't know if any of these guys are, are at even close to that caliber over a full season, but I, I think it's a good sign that there that the pro scouting is able to identify some some talent here, and and that guys are are uh, performing at the major league level. I think all of those very sensible and intelligent caveats that were just encapsulated in that answer can stand for the rest of the conversation. Like we know, I know who you are, Sahadev, and hopefully people know who I am, that like you don't get blinded and think, oh, my God, they found three guys who are age 30 who are going to be part of the core for the next four years, and you can just lock them <laughs> right. in and pencil them in. No, but you know, sometimes you do find a guy who shows you that he deserves an extended chance, and maybe 
as you're allocating free agent money, you know, and for for that middle class of MLB free agents that you don't have to you don't have to be desperate to pay for that. You know, I guess that's the broader point that I, I find myself thinking about is is this that I think we all now agree that paying for middle-aged offensive production, and I'm middle-aged in a baseball sense, say age 28 to 33, right? Paying for that with offensive production from guys of that age, from outfielders and corner infielders, it's not something you want to pay a super high premium for because there's a lot of people out there who can do it, right? So so, so why, why pay at the very top of the market, frankly, for Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, at the very top of their earning power. I think they had sort of decided they didn't want to be the ones to do that. So if they get some production from guys of that age at those kind of positions, other than Baez, at like 500 grand, 600 grand, boy, that frees you up to roster build as you figure out where you're good and where you're not. That frees you up an awful lot if you're paying that low um, a currency for that kind of premium. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. I, I think what you're seeing with Schwindel, uh, let's see what Rivas can do. Uh, Wisdom continues to hit for power. Where, where can you fit these guys in? You don't have to play them every day. I don't think, I think the Cubs want that type of flexibility where they can say, listen, this, this pitcher uh, throws a ton of fastballs. I'm putting Schwindel in today. And then tomorrow I'm putting in Revis because the pitcher that he's facing, he matches up better with that guy. And it's not just a left-right platoon thing. Go, go watch the San Francisco Giants and, and see how they platoon their players. Yeah, they have some regulars. You need regulars that you can build around and really rely on. But you also need uh, flexibility with your roster. And I, and I know that that's something that Jed wants, that David Ross values. Uh, they, they're looking for more flexibility with their roster. They're, they're not looking for... This is our set roster. This is who we're playing every day in the lineup. Uh, that that's not really how it works anymore. I mean, the best teams move their move their players around and and they shift their lineups. It's not a set lineup. And I know. I mean, I, I'm already getting bad flashbacks to Twitter about people yelling about Joe Madden switching the lineup too much. I mean, just watch the Rays. Watch the Giants. These are some of the best teams in baseball. They don't have a set lineup. And if you now, there's something to be said that certain players need everyday playing time and, and kind of expect it and feel that. Well, maybe the Cubs, maybe that doesn't fit the Cubs' mold, and maybe they're not looking for those types of players. They're looking for more flexible players who can play. Uh, you know, certain guys will play every day. Certain guys are going to play 100 games, and, and, you know, some guys are just going to uh, play here and there. And, and I think it can work if you, if you have the right manager and you uh, – you know, I, I always go back to what Theo and Jed say, we have to be right. And they have to hit on some free agent picks, many free agent picks uh, over the, this winter and next. Yeah, you know, it's, and they've got a manager who's a full-on partner now, you know, and that's that, right. like, Kevin, like Kevin Cash is, like Alex Cora is, like Aaron Boone is. This is a full-on partner situation, all due respect to Joe Madden, where they know that this manager will help them you know, um, get get their ideas across and, and do what best they can. Before we we continue on the specifics of the Cubs, how are people platooning guys these days? Is it about type of pitches they're good against? Is it also about, like, swing path versus pitch path? You know, looking at those kind of matchups, it's obviously not just about handedness anymore. 
Yeah, it's a, uh, you nailed it with the swing path stuff. The, uh, you know, the path that the pitch comes in and, and where your swing path is. Uh, location of pitches, that's something that I've heard that the Giants are big on. Uh, well, this guy works the outside, and this this hitter just uh, mashes, you know, these pitches on the outside. This guy works the inside, well, this guy this guy's better with inside pitches. Uh, you know, up, down, stuff like that. You know, you probably don't want uh, – Patrick Wisdom facing a pitcher who can really command the upper third of the zone, right? Now, if a guy tries to work the upper third of the zone and he misses down, Patrick Wisdom is going to crush that pitch. But if he can locate up in the zone and actually keep it in the zone, that's that's Patrick Wisdom's hole. So so you sit Patrick Wisdom against a guy like that, right? So, I mean, once you have that type of uh, roster and can pull off those type of moves, uh, that's, that's when you're truly flexible and, and really able to to maximize all 26 men, I guess 28 men in, in uh, September. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Hermosillo is a fascinating prospect because of his speed, his athleticism. You've seen some real good defense in center field. And because there have been specific swing changes, um, you know, are, are there do, – do people think he really has a shot as a late bloomer? Or this would be fourth guy that we're talking about with potential as a position player late bloomer, which is crazy. Yeah, there, there's definitely uh, people in the organization who believe that. They believe there are some things with his swing. They, they, uh, I've been told that the metrics that they have, you know, how they can measure everything now, some of the metrics that they that they look at for uh, a, per, a player's swing are the best of Hermosillo's career. He's really efficient with his swing right now. You know, we've seen too much swing and miss early on. It's, I mean, just like it's, it's too, too early to t- say that Frank Schwindel's an MVP candidate for 2022, it's too early to say that Michael Hermosillo uh, isn't ready uh, to uh, take this opportunity and run with it. I've, even some of his outs, I've liked, I've liked the contact he's made. You, you talked about the defense in center field. That's certainly valuable. You know, this is this is going to be a fun month in the sense that, yeah, they don't have top prospects like Brennan Davis coming up. But I, I want to see what Armistale can do. I want to keep seeing if Schwindel can keep this up for September. Uh, what does Ortega and Wisdom, what do they do? You know, can they keep this up? Uh, one more month of it, it doesn't guarantee anything. Uh, but it, it's seeing more production and getting more data to say, like, yep, another good month added to the ledger that that they have we we have more information and and we can feel a little bit more confident going into the winter that these guys will be part of the mix a tremendous amount of money comes off the books there will be lots of spending available um and it's sure everything they've said sure feels like they want to try and be competitive sooner rather than later where do you expect the free agent signings to be we've talked about castellanos before but in terms of yeah. pitching, in terms of pitching, would would they would they dare spend big big money on starting pitching, like hundred million dollars starting pitching contracts? I, I mean, they're they're going to need some top top end front of the line pitching, that's for sure. Yes, they need to spend on pitching. Will they give out a five, six, seven year deal? I I'd be shocked. I think uh, look for value is what I'd say. Look for. Uh, does someone uh, come in for like just fall through the cracks of the market, and then suddenly a guy that was looking for a four-year deal is willing to take a two-year deal, and the Cubs really like this player? They'll they'll pounce on that. Guys that uh, I mean, any one-year deal will make sense. It doesn't really matter the cost, right? One-year deals you don't you don't freak out about the cost because it's a one-year deal. Uh, and I just don't think they're at the point they will be. They they will be again at some point. 
But this offseason isn't the point where they're going to jump. They're going to win the bidding for a guy that's at the top of the market, right? Because when you when you get the guy that's at the top of the market, you're automatically, you know, in theory, you're overpaying, right? Because you're paying the most. So outside of very rare instances, you're paying the most for that guy. And, and they look at that as overpaying. And sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it makes sense. There are times when you pounce that prior to, what was it, 2015, you pounced on John Lester. That's, that's sure. an opportunity. They're not at that point right now. That doesn't mean that this is going to be a long rebuild or that they want it to be, right? I, I can't, I, I'll have to believe it when I see it, I guess, for them to be able to pull off something quicker than what they did before because I know, I know everyone thought that was a long time. Guess what? That was pretty quick, <laughs> like what they did uh, when, when they first arrived, especially with what they were working with. And I'm not sure, I, I know they don't want it to be long. They, they'd like to be uh, competitive next year, but also very realistic that, hey, the, the type of deals that they're going to sign, they can, if they're not competitive by the deadline, they'll be able to move those players as long as some of them are performing well. Uh, but ideally, they're, comp- they're, they're semi-competitive next year and really ready to, to compete for real in 2023. And then uh, I don't, we'll, we'll see when the time is for them to really pounce at the top of the market. But I would, I would tell you right now, don't expect huge deals expect some, uh, what they'll view as smart deals and that doesn't mean that it's going to be bad players or, or players you've never heard of it's just you know maybe Javi Baez falls through the cracks he's not having his a, a great season right so maybe that's a shortstop and a loaded shortstop class that kind of ends up sticking around uh, for a little bit on the market and says you know what I'm taking a one-year pillow contract I feel comfortable in Chicago. They're going to pay me uh, enough for a year, and, and I know I can rebuild my value and head back into free agency uh, the following winter uh, in a place that I'm really comfortable playing, and, and I know they'll let me play the way I want to play, and, and I feel comfortable with David Ross, all those things, right? I'm not just limiting it to hobby. There's, there's plenty of names out there. Just go scan some of the pitchers that are in their very late 20s or early 30s, guys that could be looking for one-year deals, guys that uh, have talent. Uh, I remember seeing like a name like Dylan Bundy. He's healthy. That makes sense. Noah Syndergaard makes yep. sense, right? If, if these, these are guys that are probably looking for one-year deals or end up with one-year deals and, and have a tremendous upside. You've got to hit, though. The Giants hit. Look, look, at, look at their starting rotation, right? Yes. Who, who on there, when, when they signed those, did you say, oh, wow, the Giants signed so-and-so, you know, Giscalfani, uh, when they first signed Gaussman, like yeah. these weren't guys that were at the top of the market, and they nailed it. They they were right, right, and and they need to continue to be. The Cubs need to be right and and nail some some undervalued pitchers. I think that's the biggest thing. You have got to nail the pitching. They they for some somehow they've they've figured something out. At least it looks like these last few months with the with the offense. I mean, this offense isn't much worse than, than it was when. Uh, you know, pre-deadline, really. I mean, it doesn't look that way. At least maybe that's a little recency bias on my part. But uh, but I think you, you can't. The reason this season sunk and the reason it's continuing to look rough is the starting pitching. They have to fix it, and they need to be aggressive with it. Yeah, you brought up some names that I was sitting here looking at on Spot Track in terms of the free agents. Syndergaard is a fascinating one to me. And both Di Sclafani and Gaussman are free agents again. So it's 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 very right. interesting. But But last thing... You mentioned Javi. Look, I, I, I have brought that up specifically, like especially 
after the thumbs down thing, I'm like, oh, man, yeah, the crowd loves you here. Not so much there, but we know the crowd loves you here. And we know how important that is to Javi. But I got to tell you, the last few paragraphs of the piece you wrote with Patrick Mooney, and I love when you guys double team a story like that about the trade deadline. It really read like there are some within the organization who look at the entire Javi experience as, whew, we survived that. You know, like he was he was exciting enough, beloved enough that his shortcomings didn't really make the public turn on him and didn't really cost him and cost the franchise that much. We survived. And now the Mets are the ones realizing the issues. So it gave me pause that this would be possible, him coming back. But you just breathed it a little life there uh, as well. Like to me, it. It makes all the sense in the world as that one or two year pillow deal with um, with potential for him to reclaim value for and a market that's just not going to have very much to offer him. I don't believe. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I just think he's comfortable here, like I said before, and it, it makes a ton of sense if, if the value's right, if, if the contract's right. They have a history, too. I mean, it, it, it's public knowledge that they were close if, if the pandemic didn't ha- uh, hit. I, I I don't think we'd be talking about uh, Javi Baez in another in another uniform. He would have found, they would have come to terms on an extension. He'd be here for the long term, right? And, and the, uh, obviously things would be very different without a pandemic uh, overall. But uh, that's one thing that I'm pretty sure about that they were they were really close on a deal, and and that would have been uh, finalized before the end of spring. Tr- uh, spring training 2020. Hmm. I, I don't know if he's if he's really going to fall through the cracks and end up with the Cubs, but I think it makes a lot of sense because I don't think you can go into next year with Nico Horner as your shortstop. He, I love the guy as far as his work ethic, uh, his contact rate, uh, how, you know, just in general how enthusiastic he is. Uh, but right now, he hasn't shown me that he can stay on the field or that he can handle a full season of shortstop. I don't I don't think you want to go into next year with Madrigal and Horner as your up-the-middle infield defense. If you do, I, you know, it's fine, but it's also that you're telling me that 2022 isn't really, like, you know, a, a, a year that you're really expecting to compete or, or even surprise, and, and you better have some swing and miss in your rotation a lot more than you have now. Sahadev, thank you so much. It is indeed Dan Johnson, who Ed Farmer was talking about, saying he's on go. the team for next year. Dan Johnson hit that big, big home run with Tampa Bay in 2011, and that was a, uh, a, a magical game 162 home run, which really forced Theo Epstein to Chicago, among other things, uh, that end of the year. But then last day of 2013, he hit three homers for the White Sox against the Cleveland Indians, leading Farmio to shout that out. Um, but it was not true. um, thanks so much you're the best uh, and enjoy your September we'll talk to you thanks so much take care Steve you got it man that's Sahad of Sharma from The Athletic it is 670 the score what does the man who sits above the team and watches these guys every day think we'll ask Ron Coomer next by the way there's a White Sox lineup in for their finisher against Kansas City Robert Moncada Abreu at DH, Eloy in left, um, Andrew Vaughn gets the day off, and Brian Goodwin will play in right field. Leary Garcia at second. Gavin Sheets with the start at first base. 
Uh, then Danny Mendick and Sebi Zavala with the start as uh, Yasmani Grandal gets a day off. It's 670 to score. Ron Coomer next on Hit and Run. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn. go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening it's better over here after investing billions to light up our network t-mobile is america's largest 5g network plus right now you can switch keep your phone and we'll pay it off up to 800 dollars see how you can save on every plan versus verizon and at&t at tmobile.com slash across america up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. I don't know what the definition of a rebuild is. I think that I think you should wait until you see after we what we do this winter to decide what we're going to do. Like, I don't know what we're going to do yet. So no one knows what we're going to do yet. We're going to sit down and we're going to figure out the right path to try to build a, a championship team. And like, sometimes that path might may, might mean like, letting the garden grow for a long time because you need to let those prospects mature. And sometimes it may mean accelerating it through free agency. Like, I don't know the answer, but like this idea that like anyone knows how we're going to pursue it. I I don't know yet. We're going to do the right thing strategically. And I think we have to figure that out. And, you know, sometimes opportunities are what determine that. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel Sunday mornings on the score. It is indeed hit and run. Jed Hoyer talking about the rebuild or whatever the hell the thing is called and a little frustrated. I get it. He said, I don't know what we're going to do. So nobody else knows what we're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. I do know that I'm really enjoying watching some of these guys play baseball right now and that they've won five in a row. And yesterday, the finish of that was exciting and fun. And in a town where the White Sox are dominating the baseball landscape, and for good reason, they are very good. We talked a lot of White Sox in hour one. We'll talk plenty of White Sox in hour two, or in hour three, I should say. But it's nice to be able to stretch out here in hour two and talk about some good Cubs things of the moment and try to figure out what the future holds as well. And we do it next with our friend Ron Coomer, who joins us on the Circo Resort and Casino Hotline Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Ron Coomer, former Cub and All-Star, joins us right now on The Score. Hello, Coom. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Spigs. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. It's a beautiful day. It's going to be warm and delightful. Um, the Cubs, as you've watched them, have won five in a row. They're, they're playing pretty well, aren't they? Are, are you enjoying this? Is this uh, has this been a nice moment amidst... Uh, what has uh, at times obviously been a very awkward moment, uh, awkward season. This is a good moment right here for, for that crew. 
Yeah, the Cubs, they've played very good baseball. Young guys have swung the bats well, and at the end of the day, you know, they've pitched it better. I mean, you got to pitch it to to have any success in our league. And over the last five ball games, um, when they've had a hiccup with the pitching, um, they've pulled the trigger quick to get someone out of there because they've been in the game and get someone new in. And those guys that have come in have kind of held serve for a while. And then the bats either have gotten the lead found the lead late in the game or, you know, they have a walk-off. So, you know, it's been fun, and it's nice to see some of these young guys get a little, you know, have a little success. Too. Not really young guys, but inexperienced guys, probably the best way to describe it. To see them have a little bit of success here um, right now is good. Yeah, you know, are you watching with one eye on the future? Or do you try to stay in the moment? Because I can't help but watch these guys and, and, and think about um, who might stick. Um, for next year? I definitely think you have to, you know, you wouldn't be human if you weren't looking to see, you know, you, you play, you know, you heard your, you played the Jed Hoyer thing, comment about the rebuilding, but we all look at, you know, and you speculate on how this would fit for next year and what, what's going to happen. So we all look at it. Yeah, sure. Coom, uh, you're 28 when you get to the Twins in 95, or were you 27 and turned 28 at that point? Um, I was 20, I believe I was 28. That's been a long time ago now, buddy. But yeah, <laughs> I think I was 28 years old, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 28 years old in 95 when you finally hit the big leagues. I mean, we're looking at guys, Ortega's 30, Wisdom's 30, Schwindel's 30, Hermosillo's 26. It's like, it. it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that you've hit on a couple of these guys who just needed the chance to show it and can learn stuff on the big league level, right? Did that happen for you? Did you learn, did you learn a bunch at the big league level right from the get-go in 95, 96, at age 28, 29? I, I was a guy, um, Speaks, the two years before that in the minor leagues, I was a really good offensive player in the minor leagues. You know, I was a... 25 and 110, 120, you know, hitting in, uh, you know, 320. So offensively, everybody thought I could be a big league player. It was to be determined whether I could play defensively in the big leagues, and nobody knew, right? You just didn't get a chance. So, yeah, I I did learn the defensive side of the game um, from Tom Kelly to be more consistent, Hmm. but I, you know, I was probably, you know, I was just stuck. I was stuck behind Robin Ventura, and then I was stuck behind Tim Wallach, and that's just kind of what it is. But with that being said, I do believe there are some guys that we have that are big league players, and they're showing it. You know, they're just a little advanced in their, in their, uh, you know, age compared to most rookies. That's all. Tell me what you see when you watch Frank Schwindel hit, because he's the one. It's taken the longest for me. To, to buy into the fact that, that there might be something here. Like, I'm, I'm sold on Wisdom getting a shot next spring. I'm sold on Ortega getting a shot next spring. I, I love the consistency with which that dude seems to barrel it up when he barrels it. But, but what are you seeing with Frank that, that we should be noticing as fans? Well, well I, I think the, a couple things. One, he's not chasing a lot of pitches out of the zone. That's a positive. Um, we know he's got big-time pop in his bat. We've seen it. Um, so that's a positive. 
Um, and to me, he's covering he's covering both sides of the plate. So he's covered the fastball inside. They've started pitching him away. He's not chasing the slider away, but he's covering the fastball away. And it was a fastball away that he hit for a homer a couple days ago. And then he got a ball in the middle, and he hit it off the scoreboard, the video board, yesterday. So, you know, he's doing what he's supposed to do. The last thing I, I feel, can he consistently use the other side of the diamond like he has? And, and when they start spinning the ball over and over and over, can you sit on a breaking ball and use the other side of the diamond? Because there's going to come a time where him um, and Wisdom is experiencing that now where they're going to have to do that or sit on breaking ball and wait for a hanger, but they're going to have to do that to be successful in the league. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking at his his swing percentages, his like outside the zone swing percentages, those kind of things, looking for clues on it. But you're right. He's getting he's hammering fastballs. And and that's good. You yep. want it you want to be able to absolutely kill fastballs. When he starts getting junked up like crazy, how do you drive people to throw you more fastballs so you can hammer them? How do you do that? I guess by laying off the, the junk if you can pick it up, huh? Well, you, you lay off the pitches out of the zone, and there there's certain at-bats where you can sit on breaking ball. Nobody said you, you can't hit a breaking ball. You know, it's just for some hitters, you just you sit on it. You know you're going to see it. So if they spin one up there and it's right in the middle of the plate, you knock the dog out of it. That's how you get another fastball. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that simple. Seems, seems to be a fairly good way to do it. Um all right, so we're right? watching the yeah. new. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we're watching the newbies. Um, anybody else that deserves some consideration here, other than the four guys that um, that I've I've talked about a bunch. Um, talked about wisdom. Talked about Ortega. Talked about Hermosillo, and obviously Schwindel. Um, Hermosillo, I find really really interesting. Um, but like, who else? It, 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 what do you think of Al- Alfonso Rivas, who you're just getting a look at very briefly here over the last week so far? Rivas is interesting um, because he brings a different skill set. Um, you know, he's more of a – he hasn't been that since he's been called up. But, you know, this is one week, right? So his skill set is a put the ball in play. You know, and I think next year, you know, the Cubs are going to have some strikeout guys. That's just the way it is in our league. So you need guys to put the ball in play. Um, and you need to have lineups like that at times. Um, you know, Nico Horner – I was listening to the show, and some people aren't convinced Nico's going to be the shortstop. If, if you don't sign another shortstop or they're priced out of your range, that kid's got to play. He's your first-round pick. He's a heck of a player. He pulled the ribcage. He's got to play. I mean, and he's a shortstop in college. You drafted him as a shortstop. So hmm. just because he did well at second doesn't mean he can't play short. He's just not going to be Javi Baez at shortstop. He's not going to do the spectacular, but he's going to make the routine. But he has to play. Mm. In our team's situation, too, he's got to play. So you've got two contact guys in the middle, and to the point they got to stay healthy, but you had two contact guys in the middle of the infield. Um, after that, you know, you got to roll the dice and see what happens. Cubs are going to need a, another catcher. You know, they're going to – and they definitely – um, are going to need one more outfielder. You know, you're probably looking at a platoon in left, and you're going to need a center fielder. Would be my take, mm-hmm. or a or a left fielder. Pick which one you want to you want to go after. 
Yeah, depending on who's available and depending on what you do with Ortega and Hap. Well, look, I, I hear you on Nico. I think um, Sahadev and, and others have expressed this thing about Nico because he hasn't been healthy. You know, he's only played, what, 30-some games in, in what has been a big opportunity this year. But he's, he's proven he deserves to play um, when he can be healthy. Sounds like you'd have no problem, assuming he's healthy, going into next year with Nico at short, Madrigal at second, and see what you got from those guys. Well, I think you've already you've made these trades, right? Mm-hmm. You've made these these adjustments in the roster, so your the moves are kind of made already, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you you've got you, you've got to give some of these guys the chance and see how that's going to work out. That's just that simple. So, you know, um, that's that's what you got to look at. To me, those moves have been made. You got other you got other spots on the roster that you need to to worry about one's a first round pick one's a recent trade they got to play just that mm-hmm. simple yeah and they're 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 both first round picks from their 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 recent orgs um yeah it's right. really it, it it and you know what you could do a lot worse than having two guys totally cost controlled the next four or five years playing positions like that and giving you lots of contact. Like, there's nothing wrong with that in a league full of swing and miss to have a couple of guys who don't fit that profile playing in the middle. You'd, you wouldn't have to go out and buy guys like that at the deadline like we've seen them do year after yeah. year with the Daniel Murphys of the world and other guys like that, right? right. You, you have these guys' well, the profile. League, mm-hmm. Yeah, the league, has taught, the league has taught too many guys the swing and miss approach at the plate. It's just, it, they, it's been screwed up. It's just that simple. And everybody thinks now you you need to be an upswing, you know, hit the ball out of the park and not hit the ball on the ground. What you're trying to stay away from is the rollover ground ball, right? That The, the, the 15 hopper is what you're trying to stay away from. You're trying to, to get guys to hit more line drives and stay in the hitting zone longer with the barrel so they can put the ball in play. So there's so many guys now that don't belong hitting the ball in the air over and over and over because they don't have the power to hit home runs. And now you've got a couple of them. So you've got a few, use them, right? I mean, it's just that simple. You know, having everybody in your lineup trying to hit the ball in the seats, you know, it's not winning baseball. It's just not. Ron Coomer with us here on 670 The Score. Coom. After the 1st of June, when people got wind that they were going to be coming down hard on the six sticky stuff, and then certainly late June when they did, we saw a lot of adjustments. We saw certain pitchers uh, damaged, and now we've seen things kind of level off um, a little bit. What's the scuttlebutt around the league? I, I, heard, I heard somebody say to me that... Um, that they think they might have figured out another way, whether they do it before the inning and then it's just not on the glove, it's not on the hat, it's not on the belt, but, oh, by the way, it's on the hand. Or, you know what I mean? Like, what's, what, what, are, what are people saying? Do they think that pitchers have figured out another way or have they just adjusted to the new reality? I think there's been more of an adjustment than there is figuring things out for another way. I'm sure there's some guys trying to do that because they had nothing to lose, right? So that's okay to me, and that's always going to happen in every industry. Um, but you, hmm. you, here's the thing you don't see any longer. You don't see the, the curveball game after game after game bouncing five feet in front of home plate, right? We don't see that now. You don't see the pulled breaking ball to where the catcher can't even dive into the other batter's box to try to catch it. 
You know, we were seeing that every day from mm. the great pitchers in our game and then also the, the guys that are, you know, 25, 26 men on the roster. So, you know, we're not seeing that every day. So, to me, um, they've reeled this problem in enough to where it's back to, you know, normal baseball. Oh, okay, good. Well, that's good. I'd, I'd love to hear that 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 I test report because I know he was driving you crazy to see the fifty five um, fifty five uh, foot spiked curves that just had yeah. No I mean, shot. What you've seen, Maddie, you've seen guys that just you know have fallen off their their production. You yeah. know they're they're not you know that that you know they've moved from being barely on the roster to close to a setup guy, right? And well, because they're cheating. Well, now they're not able to cheat anymore. Now they're back to where they should be in the league. That's, you know, that's just kind of, you know, is what it is. I, 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 we have uh, me and me and my wife, Coom, me and Christine, we have a couple that we love who live in Minnesota. And every year they come to Wrigley for a game. Um, and every year we go to Target Field for a game just as an excuse to see each other, too, you know? So we were, yeah. we were there this week. Uh, for that game when Steele and Adbert Alzali um, piggybacked um, for a quick, quick Cubs win, but um, took yep. a picture, took a picture in front of the Kirby Puckett statue uh, over there. Yeah, and you guys crossed over in '95. I know you loved Kirby. What did he teach you? Um, about, you know, what's something he taught you in that clubhouse when you were a kid, Coom? Well, I think the one thing that Puck taught everybody, um, including me, is how to play the game the right way. You know, Puck never took a game off. He never took a playoff. He hustled down the line every play. You never saw a ball get blooped in and him not make it to second base. Um, he just didn't do that. that. Those weren't things that he did. And he played hard, and he played every day. He, he, you didn't have to come to the park if you were the manager wondering if number 34 was going to be in the lineup. He was in the lineup. And you had to take him out because he was going to play all the time. That's just the way it was. Mm. And, you know, I had a lot of respect for Puck, um, just all in general. He was just a great guy. And, you know, when we first met, my very first day as a twin, I'll never forget, I, you know, walked up to him. I said, hey, Kirby, how you doing? He goes, I'm Puck. I said, yeah, okay, Puck. (laughs) He goes, where are you from, kid? And he already knew. But I go, south side of Chicago. And he goes, no, you're not. I'm from the south side of Chicago. <laughs> and that's how, we, that's how we met, and it was great. I'll never forget it. What's the difference? He was from the southeast side of Chicago, and you're from the southwest side? <laughs> he, he, he wanted to be known as the guy from the south side of Chicago. I was out. He was in. He's a two-time <laughs> World Series champ. I was a kid just trying to break into the big league, so I just went along with whatever the heck he said. Whatever you say, Kirby. Whatever you say. You got it. Uh, Coom, you're the best. Thanks for the time, man. Enjoy the ball game today, and uh, I'll see you in a week um, in that booth with you. Looking forward to it very much. That sounds great. So are we, Spigs. Have a great rest of the show, and we'll see you soon, buddy. All right. Thanks, Ron. That's Ron Coomer right there on 670 The Score. Um, had two of the greatest ballpark food items of my life on Wednesday night uh, at Target Field. I'll tell you about it when we come back. Jose Abreu conversation with Kevin Goldstein at the top of the hour here on The Score. Hit and Run on Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago Sports Station. So I love going to Target Field in Minnesota. There's so many cool nuances to that ballpark and there's lots of lots of really good food sat behind the plate and ended up going to the Kramarchik's sausage stand 
That's Kramarchuk's, and you can look at them online, buy their stuff online. If you're like if somebody who buys beef online and then cooks it at home, K-R-A-M-A-R-C-Z-U-K, apostrophe S. Had a Polish with both kraut and grilled onions from behind the plate. Oh, my God. Forgot to get mustard. Was going to go back. Didn't need it because the Polish was that flavorful. Just snapped with every bite and super juicy and flavorful. Um, that was one thing. And uh, then uh, someone had told us, uh, told my wife about these mini donuts that you can buy over by center field, over by over there by center field and got this little bucket of mini donuts. And I was expecting, I don't know, five, maybe 10. There was probably 40 mini donuts uh, covered with cinnamon sugar all the way to the bottom of the bucket. And there were four of us. We just kept passing them back and forth for the next four innings. Until it was a battle. Like, no, you have to have one to finish. You must. You must. And we felt nauseated in the best of all possible ways by the end of that. But those were just two remarkable items. The sausage, though, specifically, because like a Polish with grilled onions, dark, darkest sausage, darkest onions. That's my standard. It's really good for those of us who are vegan at home, by the way. But um, really good. That's my standard for just about all the ballparks. That was better, frankly, than anything I've had at Guaranteed Rate or at Wrigley. And I'm talking pre-pandemic at Wrigley when there used to be those ladies who had the uh, hot dog and Polish stand way down the left field line. And those were the ones you'd target and go to because they knew how to do the onions the best. And now you can't do it that way. But still, I'm just saying, if you're going to Minnesota, go to Target and get yourself some of those items. I, I wonder what Kevin Goldstein's favorite ballpark items are and have been. I'll find out. Uh, Kevin, longtime front office man for the Houston Astros. Before that, a baseball prospectus. Since then, uh, over at Fangraphs, among other things, and a terrific read on a variety of topics, most recently Jose Abreu. We'll talk about that next. One more hour of hit and run to go here on 670 The Score. Keep it here with me, Matt Spiegel. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.